Amen. Amen, everybody. Amen. You may be seated. Worship team, thank you so much for leading us in worship. You guys, we are in, you are in for a treat this morning. A treat this morning. And you know I wouldn't say that if I was getting ready to preach. All right? I just wouldn't do that. Um, you're in for, for an amazing treat. We are in a series uh, called Heroes. And this series is premised on a passage in the book of Hebrews. Um, and the, the, the chapter of, uh, 11th chapter of Hebrews lists a bunch of the heroes of the faith. And then in Hebrews 12, it says, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, since, since these guys, these men and women, these heroes of the faith are surrounding us, it says, let us not get entangled in all of the sin and all of the, uh, the obstacles and all of the entanglements of life, but let us run, it says, with perseverance, the race that is set before us. And so that's a, that's a scripture that we have been using for the premise of this series. And we're, we're imagining ourselves running the race in the great big stadium. And the heroes of the faith are in the stands and they're all around us and they're cheering us on. But every once in a while, one of them comes down from the stands and runs a lap with us. Wouldn't that be amazing if Moses and Noah and Esther and Deborah, they could just run a lap along with you on your race and they could just, they could just fill you with wisdom. They could just fill you with insight and truth. Well, that's the premise of this series today. And uh, we're gonna, we're gonna, you're going to hear about two heroes today because we're in a, a Sunday, a weekend called Young Communicators Weekend. And um, Young Communicators Weekend is when we empower some of the, uh, the folks in our congregation and people who are attached uh, or in some way partnering with us as a church. We empower them to teach and preach and lead us. And so this morning, you're going to hear from two different speakers, two different preachers, uh, two men of God that I love and admire and respect very, very much. Uh, the, first, the first speaker comes from, uh, he lives in St. Louis, but he's from Cincinnati, Ohio. He was an executive pastor at a church there called People's Church for about 10 years. Uh, and then he moved to St. Louis, and his wife moved here. Uh, Dorothy had a, uh, got a job opportunity here, so they came here, and they've been helping at different uh, churches uh, here in St. Louis. He's the director of the St. Louis Reconciliation Network, which is one of our partner agencies, one of the groups that we support that bring people and God together in love across different ethnicities, different races, different socioeconomic levels, uh, different, different tribes, different cultures, different neighborhoods. Uh, and so we, we support their work. Um, he's got an amazing wife, Dorothy. He's got three incredible kids. He's got Brandon, Isaiah, and Kayla. Uh, and um, they're just an amazing family. Uh, and so the first time I met him, he, he's, ready, he's ready to come up here, aren't you, man? First time I met him was out here on the Del Mar Loop. He had just moved to St. Louis, and he was helping out a church here, being a part of a church plant in St. Louis, and they came to borrow our baptismal tank. So he and I met out on the loop and, and, and us lending our, t our baptismal tank to them. So I said, that's a good sign. They're out there baptizing people. And uh, I liked him. I liked him from the first time that we, we met. And then over the years, God, has, God keeps bringing us back together in different circles. So would you put your hands together and welcome my good friend, Brandon Wilkes, who's going to come and preach this morning. Come on, brother. Oh, I am honored to be here, One Family Church. I am honored to be uh, asked to preach the Word of God, but I'm especially honored to be speaking during the weekend that's called uh, Young Pastors, you know? 
Uh, every morning I wake up and I think, oh man, you're getting a little bit older, a little more grayer. And then Pastor Rome says, hey, you're going to speak to people, young, gifted leaders. I'm like, young? That's what I'm talking about. I told my wife that this morning. Girl, I'm young. That's right. <laughs> I, I just want to tell you a little bit about myself. Uh, I have been married 22 years to my wife, Dorothy. We actually just celebrated 22 years this past Friday. That's right. She deserves all that applause to deal with me for 22 years. Uh, actually, she's known me for 29 years. We actually started dating in high school. Um, so she's been around for a long time. Uh, I have three awesome children, just like Brent said. Uh, my oldest is a student at, at Truman State University studying exercise science. And uh, yeah, awesome. Yes, yeah, bulldogs. Uh, my, my middle son, I, my wife and I, we just put on a plane this morning at 5 a.m. He is off to study engineering at USC, the University of Southern California. That's right. He is an awesome kid. Um, uh, and for those of you who are wondering, no, we did not pay $500,000 to get him into that school. In fact, I was hoping that Pastor Brent would allow me to pass the offering plate to help cover something. You know, everybody out here who's paying uh, private school tuition know the feeling, right? Um, my daughter, Kyla, she is an academic juggernaut. Um, she is um, just awesome in, in so many different ways. She's my favorite. Uh, <laughs> but she, she is, her goal in life is to help her two older brothers stay humble by making them the slow kids of the family. So uh, she's also a great athlete. As a freshman in high school, she placed All-State in track and field this past year. So she is awesome. So I am a blessed man. But another thing you should know about me is that there are two things that drive my life. The first is an earthly vision. And the second is a heavenly hope. My earthly vision is to be a wise old man. And I'm talking old to where I can wear my pants all the way up to here and nobody says a word because they just like, he's old school. I want to be wise enough that I can say anything outlandishly and people just nod their head like, he earned the right to say that. <laughs> old and wise. And in my old age and wisdom, I have this vision of sitting in a rocking chair next to my wife, talking to my children my grandchildren, and my great-grandchildren. Telling them about the good old days. Telling them about a time when we only had three television channels. And God willing, if you wanted to change one of those, you had to stand up, walk 15 feet, turn the channel, click, 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 click. Let them know that there was a time before the internet when we used to do this real creative thing called go outside and play. I want to tell them amazing things like that, but most importantly, I want to tell them about the awesome things that I had the chance to do for God. I want to tell them about the time I got to preach in India, to tell them about the time that I got to preach in, in Costa Rica, tell them about the time that I was able to baptize my daughter in the Amazon River. I want to tell them about the mighty things that I was able to do for the Lord. You see, I have an earthly vision for my life that's well beyond today, but goes so far in the future. And my heavenly hope is very simple. It's just that when my time has come and I get to meet 
my Lord and Savior Jesus, that he would say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You see, I didn't come upon this, these two things by myself. I, I, I got them very early on in my Christian, Christian walk when I, I read Joshua chapter 24, verse 15. See, I, I was reading, I came upon this verse, and I was captivated. And, and it reads, But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether it be a God of your forefathers from across the Euphrates, or the God of the Amorites in whose land you are now living. But as for me, in my house, we will serve the Lord. When I read that and I recognized and understood what Joshua was saying, that was my mic drop moment. You see, it was that moment when you know that nothing more needs to be said. Joshua was basically saying to all the Israelites, you can serve whatever God you choose, but I'm going to serve the God that got me to the place where I'm at right now. You can serve the God of the Amorites. You can serve the God of your, your parents and your grandparents. You can serve whatever God you want. If he was speaking today, I think he could say, you can serve the God of money. You can serve the God of popularity. You can serve the God of financial stability. Or you can do what I'm doing and you can serve the Lord. After reading that, I said, Joshua is dropping some knowledge. Joshua is saying some things that I need to know more about. How did he get there? And so when I read that, I had to read the whole book. I had to go back and recognize Joshua probably didn't get to the place where he's at just by happenstance. And when I read through the book of Joshua, I recognized that he got there because he had an earthly vision for a long time. You see, when Joshua was a young man, he was sent into the promised land by Moses with 11 other guys. He was sent there to go spy it out, to see if the promises of God were actually true. So they went over there, they spent some time there, and they spied it out. They picked some of the fruit, and they looked at the land. They said, wow, this is awesome. Everything that God has said it is, is true. When they came back to Moses, they reported, yes, God has been true to his word. The land that he has led us to is, in fact, awesome. Look at the fruit. Look at it. Milk and honey is everything. Moses was like, bet. Let's go take it. <laughs> Ten guys was like, whoa, but Moses, it's some big dudes there. The Amorites, they big. They're going to squash us. I'm not about that life. <laughs> but Joshua and the guy named Caleb was like, no, no, no. God has promised us the land. Let's do what we got to do. Let's go accomplish the things that we have come here for. We've come so far, we can't stop now. But the other 10 guys weren't about it. They caused dissension, and as a result, they were not able to enter the land. In fact, they spent 40 more years wandering throughout the desert because they had rejected what God had wanted for them. See, I believe Joshua had that perspective even in the midst of that, that, that 
barrier, the strong men and the population there because he had a vision of what life was going to be like in the Canaan already. He already had his crops planted in the ground and his home built and his family being raised. He knew where he was going and that God had promised it to him. So he had that vision. So he didn't care about the obstacle in front of him. He was going forward. But the other 10 did not. We also know that later when God gives them a second chance, after that older generation had died out, Joshua was put in charge by Moses, and it was time for them to go in. And the first major battle that he has that we've heard about and we know about is the battle of Jericho, and Joshua was ready to take on this challenge. He was a fighting man. He was skilled at that time, older, wiser, but still strong and vigorous. And he's ready to go in, and God says, I'm going to give Jericho to you. Joshua was like, bet, let's do this. He said, I want you to do it this way. I want you to walk around it one time for the next six days in silence. Take the whole army with you. And then on the seventh day, I want you to walk around seven times. And then at the last one, shout and blow horns. And then the walls are going to come turning them down. Now, Joshua was smart enough that that's not the normal way in which you fight a war. <laughs> he probably had to think, mm, that's not normal, Lord. But he had a vision of where he wanted to go, and he realized that God had, God had brought him that far up to that point. Why bail out at that point in time? And you can imagine him selling that to the other army leaders. This is what we're going to do. We're going to walk around and say nothing for the next seven days. They probably looked at him like, mm, that's not how we fight. But because he had a vision of where he was going and what was going to happen, he was able to convince them to follow him in that way. I believe that Joshua was willing to do some of those outlandish things, to oversee those obstacles, because he had a vision of living in the promised land. And whatever it took to get him there, he was going to do. I believe his heavenly hope was evident in that speech in 2415, because when he's giving that speech, he is, in fact, a wise old man. He's at the end of his time here on earth, and he knows it. But he wants to leave them with some parting thoughts. You see, he's already in the promised land. They've already conquered everything. And he's still telling everyone, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Now, why would he do that if he's not focusing on his heavenly hope? He had already received the blessings of the Lord. He's already in the land. He's focused on his heavenly hope now. He wants them to do the same. His earthly vision achieved. His not, desire now is to be with the Father. Joshua is my hero. And I think Joshua should be on your hero list as well. Because he had those two things that guided his life, I believe. He had an earthly vision. And he had a heavenly hope. And we all need to be like Joshua have a driving image of where we want to be when you are at the ripe old age. You see, if you live your life without a vision, it's like driving a car without a destination. Eventually, you're going to wander a lot of different places, run out of gas, and end up in a place where you didn't intend it, and likely a place you don't want to be. But if you have a destination to go, you drive efficiently, you go directly there, and you accomplish your goal. You need to have a vision for where you want to go. And when you have 
to overcome opposition, and when you have to get to where you need to be, that heavenly hope will help be a compass for you. You see, because as you strive for this earthly vision, you're going to have the opportunity to, opportunity to do some things that may not be godly. They may not be of moral character. They may not be Christ-like. And sometimes we'll drive so hard and try to have that vision and accomplish it under our own strength that we'll get off task. But if you have a heavenly hope, you'll stay focused. You'll know that in the end, it's about God. So I pray that you would have an earthly vision and have a heavenly hope. So when you're pressing towards that vision, you'll remember that you also want God to tell you, well done, my good and faithful servant. God bless. Amen.